talks on psychoanalysis, shares topics published in the IPA Society journals and Congress debates worldwide, brought to you in the voices of the original authors. We hope this window will allow you to experience the depth and breadth of psychoanalytic thought around the world. I am Gaetano Pellegrini and in this episode we'll listen to Craig Sanrock presenting his paper Morning Melancholia and the Echo Effect. Dr. Craig Sanrock is a community psychologist and psychotherapist. He has, for the past 30 years, lived in Central Australia working within indigenous Australian circumstances. He has written many careful accounts of the existential realities of intercultural collaborations and tensions. Trained in London with the Society for Analytical Psychology, he cautiously adapts and applies psychoanalytic insights to help negotiate the rough environment of Aboriginal versus white Australian relations. Morning melancholia and the echo effect focuses on aspects of unconscious transference within black-white relations. It is distilled from the experience in a project co-developed with the indigenous friends who are part of the Central Australian NPY Women's Council. Please check the details of the episode to find more information about the project, to download the text of the episode and to look at the images referred to in the talk. Morning, Melancholia, and the Echo Effect on Intercultural Transference Early on in developing the notion of transference, Freud made this unique observation. An unconscious idea is, as such, quite incapable of entering the pre-conscious, and it can only exercise any effect there by establishing a connection with an idea that already belongs to the preconscious, by transferring its intensity onto it and by getting itself covered by it. This talk is about sensitive aspects of the relationship between Aboriginal people and those of other cultures who now live here in Central Australia. I'm thinking about the nature and effect of unacknowledged psychic influence transferring through the nerves of people in my country. Among the people mixing in this central desert region, there may indeed be pre-conscious ideas, ideas that do not reach any clear form of self-awareness, ideas with feeling wrapped with awkward intensity, states of mind that do not reach shared consciousness. Doris Stewart is an indigenous Irenter woman born in Alice Springs, the main town of Central Australia. Her family is recognised as traditional cultural custodians of the land where Alice Springs is now built. Doris and her sister are often asked to speak at public events to welcome non-Indigenous visitors to Aranda country. May I let Doris speak 
on the matter of approaching her and her country. Hello everyone, my name is Doris Stewart, and this place we call Alice Springs has another name, Mbantwa. That is what this place you all call Alice Springs was named long before you all came here, and it still is. I am a custodian for Mbatwa. This is where I come from. This is my country. And I've been asked today to welcome you to my country. Welcome to country. It sounds easy, doesn't it? You acknowledge the authority of registered native title holders, such as myself, and I greet you all and I welcome you all in response and we all feel good. But in truth, it's a little more complicated than that. When I was a child, not so long ago, and for a long time before that, people couldn't just walk into Mbato uninvited. They had to sit down at certain boundaries. They had to sit down and ask permission of the custodians to enter Mbato. And they knew they might be told they were not welcome. It was a bit like you would expect strangers to knock at your door and wait to be invited in, rather than just walking into your home. During the discussion about welcoming you here today, my friend explained that, well, welcome to country is practiced by local organizations as a positive and a respectful activity, an acknowledgement of that invisible door and Aboriginal custodians' rights to control who walks through. My sister and I explained that these welcomes didn't really feel reasonable to us because the truth was that if you all knock, we are simply expected to open our door and say welcome. It's a ritual that doesn't always make us feel respected. It doesn't necessarily leave us feeling like our voices have been heard. Can we actually say no? You're not welcome? We can't. You're here already. So, given the complexities of this particular discussion, we arrived at a more satisfactory declaration. The one thing we all agreed upon was that an acknowledgement of this country would feel more appropriate. So, I ask all of you to take a moment and join me in acknowledging this country and all that it gives us every day that we are here. And I, I want to thank you all for listening to my words. Doris Stewart, America Artway. The arid lands of Central Australia are known to have been occupied for at least 32,000 years. This region has been home to many economically sustainable small bands of people speaking interconnected languages, literature, Walpuri, Aranda, to name a few. First peoples hunted, gathered, cooked, survived, maintained ceremony, culture and complex family relations across the entire region. 
This is one of the last places to be occupied by cattlemen, policemen, missionaries, misfits, and the bureaucrats of Western civilization. Recent occupation means that Central Australia is a place of ferment and opportunity. I wish to draw your attention to the nature of unconscious psychic relations between people living here in mixed, ambivalent relationship. And I will note some emotional, mental effects we have upon each other in this strangely moving state of cultures in transition. The now diverse population of Central Australia numbers 41,000, with 25% Indigenous. Alice Springs, the main town, is 1,700 kilometres from the nearest coastal cities. And many who live here, like my family, are not Indigenous, yet are engaged in the Indigenous kinship system and are treated as family. And many, like myself, work in Aboriginal affairs. And my practice is entangled within the net of relations between black and white people, between the white people and the country, between custodians of country and incoming, occupying people who earn a living from this country. My term, echo effect, refers to emotional and mental resonance felt among those who are exposed to each other within the living and working environments in Australia. The effect of this exposure, or the intensity of that exposure, might seem at times to some like an irritating disorder, a murmuring in the heart. Professional people dwelling in this zone of mixed relations might admit that, despite professional detachment, they are affected, infected, by a kind of attachment, detachment, disorder, in a region where black and white people breathe the same air, yet live in parallel universe. And the thing about an echo is you don't quite hear repeated the full sentence, the full story. You catch a phrase or two, a resonance in the air, but not the full story. The echo effect as psychic reverberation between people may indeed be felt as contagion and thus dangerous. On the other hand, you might think of attunement, and some of us do try to maintain intercultural attunement. When authentic attunement works, it's deeply satisfying. Much of the vibrant art coming out of Central Australia is a result of stimulating two-way cultural relations. The echo effect of intercultural impact can also bring distress, destruction, trauma. Doctor on the Couch Psychoanalytic experience has helped me attend to subjective experience arising in the overlap between black and white people. Ferment and Australian relationships arises from subjective attitudes, 
from misunderstandings in the attachment zone. And yet, mindful Indigenous people speak about two-way working. This means developing mutual self-knowledge and cooperation within black-white relations. Psychoanalysts would understand the value and difficulties of this effort since we work with intensities of unconscious states as felt between people. Let us, in imagination, enter a hypothetical consulting room in Alice Springs, though in fact such a refined, contained setup rarely exists. The consulting interactions mostly take place in rough life situations, in streets, vehicles, police custody, hospitals, bush camps. Turn now to the interpretation of dreams. Image one. This painting by local artist Rod Moss is a whimsical variation on Freud's Vienna consulting room transposed to Alice Springs. Rod's The Interpretation of Dreams is a reversal of the conventional medical missionary position. He places the European doctor on the couch with wily Aboriginal listener in the chair of the analyst. Mr. Patrick Ampachana Hayes, Sr. The Hayes cultural lands extend around Mount Andulia, just east of town. His family was displaced from Andulia when that stretch of country was occupied by a white family and herds of cattle. Freud's family was displaced from Vienna to London in 1939, as you will know. And you know why. The model for Freud is Dr. Howard Goldenberg, who works in this region and is also of Jewish lineage. Mood, melancholia. Imagine the man on the couch speaking of disturbing moods, suffusing his life in Central Australia. Ampachana Hayes listens to a man whose language is formed around European sensibilities. Ampachana's indigenous language, Aranda, is formed from millennia of experience in Australian desert country. How might these two come to comprehend the life of each other? Well, let's imagine a hypothetical conversation. In a previous session, the doctor on the couch conversed to an abrasive feeling of suppressed impatience. He muttered a wish to understand Aboriginal mentality and he knows mere sympathy is superficial. He is tongue-tied. He wants to sink more deeply into understanding Mr Hayes' experience and that of his kin, many of whom appear in the hospital clinic where the doctor works. But today, the doctor is on the brink of recognising his own depressive, melancholic 
position. Today, the doctor says, I feel a death coming. Mr. Hayes, leaning forward, says, Somebody dying. Yes. You did? No. I feel a death coming. Your death, Patrick. Then my death. Both of us. Death by a thousand cuts. A little bit at a time. Yes. No stopping. No stopping it now. You think I'm all finished up? Culture held you, Umpachana. Maybe culture's finishing up. Maybe you're right. My brother's all gone now, everyone. Doc, you feeling sorry? I'm feeling sorry, Mr. Hayes. The man on the couch is feeling the waves of localised mourning. The moods ebb and flow. Some might say he is contaminated by a collective, unconscious depression. The doctor accepts that he does not know how Mr Hayes really thinks about his family in Alice Springs. He does not know what Apachana sees. The two men sit wordless in a place where European and Aranda senses overlap. The pervasive presence of overlapping melancholia could be described as burnout, vicarious trauma, interracial dissonance, extinction, anxiety. The forms of the feelings are hard to describe authentically. That is why some of us here seek conjoint images that hold the feelings of our peoples in transition. Images such as the work by Rod Moss in his long journey at Easter or the Passion on Achilia Hill. See now image two, Passion on Achilia Hill. Rod has staged the Passion of Jesus of Nazareth on a hill in the centre of Alice Springs. It is a multicultural image that catches shared intensities. Every person on this event is locally recognisable. The hill lives in time past, time present, within Mbatwe, Alice Springs, and upon the hill, far away, Golgotha, Jerusalem. This is a composite image of arrest, mourning, compassion, hope shared. The people in this image are familiar with the Christian story and with the repetitive trials and funerals of Aboriginal family. The drama resonates in the imagination of black and white culture. It holds the feeling. And note that all actions of the crucifixion drama are in frame at the same time. A man is under arrest. Mother and family witness. A white lawyer speaks up asking for release. But no, the judgment has been set and the crime shall be punished. The man dies. 
in custody. Family mourn. The funeral processes. Cousin brothers carry the body. Families console. A guitarist laments. The man shows his wounds to cousin Thomas. Thomas asks, Are you alive or are you dead? Death by a thousand cuts. Dark storm clouds gather in the western sky, looming over Alice Springs, Jerusalem, Mbantua. Melancholia. Melancholia is defined in early European medicine as a psychological somatic condition, black bile in the liver, emitting poison into the human system, affecting mood. Mela, Greek for black, cholia, Greek for bile, indicating a black and toxic fluid secreted from the liver into the body. What is this black bile? in the collective liver of central Australia. Of what is this local melancholia composed? As a European, the doctor on the couch understands tragedy. He has witnessed the European compulsion for invasion and displacement of others. The kind of thing he believes Mr Hayes of Andulia's kin are going through now. But perhaps this is not the case. Perhaps the white doctor is projecting European cultural experience, not able to see how Hayes family might adapt. Yet he knows that among the Hayes kin, many have died of incremental heart disease, diabetes, intoxicated violence. These are the 1,000 cuts. He notes also the weariness of colleagues who have given blood, sweat and tears to Indigenous projects, maintaining good relations yet seeing now after decades well-intended, government-funded effort is displaced through professionalised folly, self-interest, corruption and grievous institutional harm. Matrix of Complex Stress The doctor and Mr Hayes in diagnostic mode begin to make pre-conscious intensities specific. They count up the shared stresses among Aboriginal people and those who work in their company. They like the word pressure better than stress. They select eight clusters of localised pressure systems. Absence, death, law, country, violence, hunger, intoxication, money. 1. Absence. Absence applies to most Indigenous families. Many fathers, husbands, brothers, sisters are in prison absent from responsibility for family and cultural maintenance. Non-Indigenous workers come and go. Relationships form, then are lost. Professional corporate memory phrase. Newcomers begin all over again and depart. 
cycles of absence repeat. 2. Deaths and funerals. Indigenous death rate is high. Culture and obligations to country is based upon responsibilities within specific kinship relations. During early white occupation, there were intentional massacres and then smallpox, influenza. Now we have death by intoxication, violence, vehicle accidents, infections, heart disease, diabetes and consequences of crowded, chaotic housing, fast food, sugars and depression. Funeral ceremonies are frequent, expensive, demanding. Frequent deaths in a fragile social ecosystem means less people of experience to hold the web. Transmission of culture depends upon human links. 3. Law Indigenous cultural law and Australian law and justice systems are in a state of dissociation. There is ever-present conflict and confusion around how two differing law systems and moral orders meet or don't meet. 4. Country There is stress over the uses and abuses of Aboriginal country. Traditional Indigenous being is grounded upon hands-on relationship with specific matrilineal and patrilineal countries. Country is an existential basis for identity, the embodied basis and generator of cultural story and kinship obligation. Displacement from country leaves many people vulnerable to a particular kind of dissociation. Aboriginal land rights protection has helped slow down economic invasion of Aboriginal lands and ensures compensatory royalty payments from mining companies, etc. However, royalty payouts also provoke envy and interfamily conflict as traditional country becomes a commercialised commodity. 5. Violence Family violence is a major cause of male incarceration, of women being unsupported and of children being taken into care. Family violence has a big effect upon Indigenous relationships. 6. Food. Hunger is a reality and has a significant effect on young people's behaviour. The cost of food in remote communities is significant. Traditional gathering and hunting occurs but is no longer reliable. Some say the use and misuse of white people's food and drink is a major cause of ill health and depression. 7. Intoxication Intoxication is the plague of the people. Intoxication invades households and relationships night and day. 8. 
money. Many people, including young people, live on a poverty edge. Reasons for this involves indigenous custom and attitudes to resource sharing through kinship obligations in a way that is contrary to the way the Western economic system is set up. And many young people have no job, no tax file number, no bank account, no ID, no interface with social welfare and no education. Many young people have become like illegal immigrants in their own country, and some are on the run. This cluster of eight pressure systems operate at the same time. Everyone is caught up in it. The doctor, on the couch, visits the prison, works in hospital, attends court, attends funerals, visits remote regions, works with the psychiatrists, lends money, gives food, has broken nights, hypervigilance and is witness to degradation of the country. The echo effect. The echo effect is a way of describing the resonance of emotions that spread among groups of people. The echo effect is based upon our human capacity for sympathy and empathy. Relationships bind us and affect us. The British took Australia into a British body and tried to remake indigenous minds according to a British model. The remaking has consequences for Aboriginal mental life. Aboriginal emotional mental life and death has consequences for the psychological integrity of what has now become the Australian collective mind. The Australian collective mind may now be scarred or infected with a very peculiar pattern of dissociation, infected with pervasive attacks on linking and daily distortions in the interpretation of the black-white relationship. The doctor mutters, Patrick, I'm part of this catastrophic change. Am I part of a new creation? Doris Stewart remarks that we, the white people, did not knock, did not seek permission to enter, and, as she adds with ironic humour, you came into my kitchen, you didn't wipe your feet, and you started rearranging the furniture. The nature of empathy suggests that people who have close relations will be affected by what is happening to each other. Unconscious intensities felt and transferred between people. In relations between indigenous and incoming peoples, pre-existing, pre-conscious ideas and feelings on both sides get tangled with unconscious intensities. Misunderstood, 
basic assumptions echo back and forth. Stress, pressures, traumatizations are sensed, felt, assumed, yet rarely understood, unraveled, transformed into new creation. I speak of mysteries, of intercultural transference in the contact zone. What troubles the doctor on the couch as he remembers Melanie Klein is love and hatred in Aboriginal relations and how an intercultural depressive position is to be attained. How might we move as a country of mixed up people from a cultural, paranoid, schizoid, splitting position, move through maturational stages of concern for the mothering country, accepting past and present destruction, no matter how depressing and deniable, and perhaps progress the work of intercultural maturation. This is such a profoundly Australian collective psychic matter, and we could begin applying a new understanding of the dynamics of transference in situations of multicultural relations. The life of this town, Alice Springs and Bantwe, is pervaded by strange dissociations and vibrant associations. I name this the echo effect. Echoes of creative transformations and subliminal mourning. The passion of civilizations in transition. Thank you.